Welcome to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and we are now fully into the month of May. It is almost over. I hope that you had some wonderful holidays in there. I hope that your summer is getting off to a good start and that you have lots of wonderful plans. I want to tell you a little bit about what I've been up to and what our our talk today is a little bit about. So I've been talking to different groups about things like self-care, resilience, well-being, stress relief, everything that you need to live a good life and to hopefully figure out ways to ways to overcome, ways to persist, and ways to thrive in your current environment. And companies are asking me to deliver talks about this. And one thing that's really interesting to me is that it's almost as if it's an event. Self-care is an event. We scheduled it on Friday from 12 to 1, and this is your time to learn about it. (laughs) And we're not going to talk about it again until you need to call EAP or something like that. And that's really a shame because it's something that you have to do every single day. Self-care, resilience, well-being, it's all about the choices that we make. The choices that we make to invest in ourselves, to care about our feelings, to care about our needs and our energy, and and to, to really tend to our own garden every single day. If you don't tend to it, that soil is going to dry out. Those roots are going to just wither away, and you're not going to be able to see the fruits of your efforts. So it's very, very important that we see it as something that happens every single day. And that sort of is a good segue into the the guest that I'm talking to today. His name is Greg Schwem, and Greg is a comedian who talks to corporate. He's a comedian who talks to companies, typically at, at events, at sort of conferences. They bring him in as the entertainment for the conference. And he's going to talk today a little bit about his observations of that and and really what that looks like in company settings and and why is it that we have to wait for a conference or a special event to roll out the red carpet for our people to make learning fun, to make learning engaging and to talk about these things that we aren't necessarily willing to talk about on a daily basis. Why is that? So I'm going to leave that question with you today. Why do we have to wait for a special event to have these conversations? Hmm. All right, stick around, stay tuned, and we'll get into the episode in just a moment. It's time for a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. Okay, so there was a study that was done a few years ago from Harvard University, and they studied humor, and the the two uh, key findings that that struck me and jumped out at me was that people are 28% more satisfied in their job if they feel their boss has a sense of humor. That's the first one. The second one is that a lighthearted line at the end of a sales pitch increases a customer's willingness to pay by 17%. And... um, that, that plays into what I saying about how companies need to at least explore the idea of adding humor, whether to their marketing campaigns or just around the office. 
And now, on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back, pick up your marbles, and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker. Welcome everyone to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and I have the pleasure of speaking to Greg Schwen today. Motivational corporate comedian Greg is so cool, y'all. He won an award for being an exceptional person. So he is in the Exceptional People magazine. He's also been featured on Sirius Radio. You can see his work on Comedy Central. He shared the stage with Keith Urban as well as Celine Dion. Yes, that is Celine Dion. That one right too, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Two for two. I hope so, I hope so, two for two. Greg, welcome to the show, how are you today? I am great. How are you? I'm feeling good. Feeling good from my head to my shoes. It is a Monday, and we just released an episode this morning uh, where we got to talk a little bit about the power of humor and trying to find the silver lining as well as the silly lining in all of life circumstances. If anyone's interested in checking that out, I encourage you to. That guest was Maria Ross. And today we have a corporate comedian on the line. So I can't be happier, honestly. This is a good day. A good day for me too, Heather. I love talking about this subject, not just because it is my business, but I love talking about comedy. I love dissecting comedy, and I love to talk about using comedy for uh, purposes other than just going to see it at a club. Ah, there are other purposes? Explain. Yes, there are. (laughs) Explain. Well, I mean, that's pretty much my, <laughs> my business is when you said I'm a corporate comedian, that's what I do. I mean, I I um, don't perform hardly ever anymore at comedy clubs. Uh, my niche, if you want to call it that, is is um, going around and making making the business community laugh at itself. So all of my shows are for Fortune 500 clients and business associations and conventions and sales kickoffs and that kind of thing. And it's just something I kind of fell into about 20 some years ago. And it's what I do. It's what I love. And I love the audiences. And I love bringing humor into what is typically not necessarily a funny environment. Yes, for some, especially right now. Can you walk me through that? So I'm very curious about your niche. So you get this phone call, or you get an email, we no longer do the faxes, I hear. So you get a phone call, you get an email, what do they say to you? How do they ask you to come in? Because I can imagine being on the other side of that. Someone says, oh, you know what we need? We need a comedian. We need to bring a comedian in here. That's going to solve all of our problems. So (laughs) (laughs) what do they say to you? Yeah, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't think they look at me as a problem solver. But typically, if you ever go to these business conferences, typically they're two or three days, uh, or or sometimes they might just be one day where they get all their employees together or their partners or their customers and so forth. And typically these conferences are fairly serious in terms of they have a lot of what they call breakout sessions in which the audience learns how to do a particular thing or learn a new piece of software or here's some new ways you can sell whatever it is we sell, that kind of thing. And that's all great and it's very necessary. And that's why business meetings exist. Yet, at the same time, they 
the people organizing them always say, but we don't want it to be serious all the time. If everybody's going to be together, we want there it to be somewhat of a fun environment, at least at some point. And that's where right. I come in. And they say, we want to laugh at ourselves. We want you to let us know that this is a fun organization. We are not afraid to have a little fun with ourselves and what we do. And we want you to deliver that. So that's, that's why I get hired. And then the, then the process starts. That's such an interesting phrase. We want you to let us know that we're a fun organization, almost like they need your permission yeah. to, to let go a little bit. I, I think they do. And I think that's what the, the great about having an outsider in, because I think when people are in, in an environment like this, there's, there's a, there's a bit of a decorum that they have to follow. I mean, mm. it's their, their immediate bosses are there and their immediate bosses are there. And, and I think sometimes everybody kind of walks around like, Ooh, what, like, like they have to behave a certain way. And I think that's, what's great about somebody hiring somebody from the outside to come in and give them an entirely new perspective on what they do. And, and I think then it's okay. Then it's okay for them to laugh. I mean, I, I sometimes say I, I get paid to say what you're thinking. So, <laughs> and I, I think that's true. in a lot of jobs, it's like, I, I would love to poke fun at this, but I really can't because it might, it might hurt the feelings of the marketing director or something like that. Whereas mm. I uh, don't really have the, those rules. Although I will tell you, Heather, that there are rules in, in what I do. I mean, I, it, I don't want your audience to think, oh, here's a guy that just comes in and trashes the organization. That is hardly what I do. I want them to, I want them to laugh at what they do, but I've always said there's a very fine line between having fun with a corporate audience and belittling them. And once they feel like you're belittling them, once they feel like you're like mocking what they do, you will lose them in seconds. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because I, right. I, I they didn't call yeah. you in to roast them. Exactly. Exactly. I, I have to know that this is I yeah, this is their life's work. This is what they do. They get up in the morning, they go or they take Zoom calls all day or whatever. And this is what they've chosen to do. So who am I to come in and say, Well, why are you doing this? That kind of thing. That's not what I do. And and I think that's why there's so few comedians or people who do this type of humor. Because I just don't think they get that. I don't think they understand that, that there are rules. So let's talk about those rules, because I yeah. think that those rules can apply not just to someone in your position, but also people within the organization as well. Like this is this is how I can bring in some humor and mm -hmm. make light of this situation, help people see things from a different perspective without right. losing my job in the process. Right. <laughs> and yeah. yeah <laughs> make it make it something that people can actually appreciate. So what is your process? How do you take something that is seemingly not funny and very serious and turn it into something funny? Well, typically what I do is I, I have a questionnaire that I send to them and I and I usually get on a conference call or a Zoom call or some something like that. And I basically add, the first question I ask is why you hired me. What, why did you hire me? Is your company doing well and this is a reward? Is your company doing poorly 
and everybody is just glum and down in the dumps and you need to, you, you need somebody, you just need some sort of a spark or maybe it's something in the middle. So the first thing I want to know is that that's a question. Why did you hire me? And it's not an ego thing. I genuinely want to know. And, and then I kind of ask, what is it that you want? What, what do you want your audience to laugh at? What are they? Is it, is it some new, do you want them to laugh at the competition? Do you want them to laugh at some new process they're going through where maybe it's some new, again, piece of software or something that no one can figure out and it's just driving mm-hmm. everybody crazy and you just poke a little fun at that. I, I, I want to get a little bit of, of the groundwork. And again, I, I can't become an expert in these, these organizations like that. I can learn a little bit about them. But I, but I can't be the guy that comes in and says, well, you need to be selling it this way because that's, that's not what I do and it's not what I should be doing. And they know that. So I'm here to make them laugh. It would be so awkward. It would be. And it's, and, and very, very superficial, I think also. I mean, it's, I, I, I have a problem sometimes with when speakers come in and they talk and they tell companies how they should do things. And then you find out that they don't have any experience in that particular field. I think that's wrong. I think a lot of motivational yeah. speakers sometimes fall into that trap. And and I think the audience after a while kind of looks at them like, excuse me, you don't know, you're not in our industry. So why are you telling us how to, how, how to be better at it? So I, exactly. I'm, I don't, I don't have any kind of, I don't put those airs on, but anyway, so so then I, I start putting together. I get a lot of information off their website. I think everybody's corporate website is funny if you look hard enough at it, where I just start digging. I mean, sometimes I make fun of photos that are on their websites and, and how it's like, really, what does everybody sitting around drinking coffee in the boardroom have to do with selling car parts? Mm. <laughs> because everybody's mm. they've always got like those stock photos and stuff of, right. uh, of everybody. And they're all, they're all laughing and they're all, they're all laughing. And then the, and then the, 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 the title underneath the picture says something about our tech support is better than anybody's. And, and I want to say, oh. nobody looks like this when they need right. tech, support. tech support. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, and they all laugh at that because it does, it just, they don't look at it that way. I'm seeing them from a different angle and it's, and it's not something that they're going to get offended at. It just looks kind of weird, you know? Right. So, right. Decisions. Who let this right. one fly? It, it, Exactly. So, so I do a lot of that. And then it just, and then I just, I talk a lot about just about basic subjects that everybody can really relate to, whether it's, whether it's parenting, whether it's family life, most of my audiences are, do have families and they want to laugh at that kind of stuff too. So I will. And anyway, that's, that's, and then my shows always include just about 95% of the time include visuals include like a PowerPoint mm-hmm. or a keynote presentation. And I let them see that before, which a lot of speakers do not. They don't let them see their their visuals, but I want everybody to be comfortable. I want people to be, I want them to feel like they're a part of the process. And uh, I also let them see that because I don't want them to, I don't want to, I don't want to throw up anything on the screen that's incorrect, that's either uh, factually incorrect, yes. or, or maybe I went down a, a rabbit hole or I, I started, if it's a big company, maybe I got into a corner of their website and started making jokes about it only to have them say, that's not our division. Okay. Please, you, 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 and, and that's happened before. Right. So that's so happened before. I, it has, it has. And it's a little awkward. Um, so mm-hmm. I want, I want them to be a part of it. So that's kind of how it works. 
Okay. Okay. So it's a little bit collaborative. And when you're thinking about putting everything together, you've been doing this for a while. So a couple episodes ago, we had a comedy teacher on. Her name was Christy Bukley. And she told us that if you want to put together like the secret, the secret sauce is you start with your sort of your conclusions that you've come up with. And then you go into your observations. Is that how you approach humor as well when you're when you're telling jokes and when you're up there on stage? Well, hmm. Let me back up a little bit. First of all, you said I, I'm going to I'm going to respectfully disagree with your last guest because you said she's a comedy teacher, and I, all due respect, I, I I don't believe comedy can be taught. I think you can, I think you can teach somebody to be more comfortable on stage in front of an audience. But I think when you mm-hmm. say comedy teacher, I think that implies that you can take an unfunny person and make them funny. And I don't think that's I don't think that's possible. And there's a lot of comedy schools out there and there's there's people who sign up for them and at the end they say, Well, you you at the end you get to do five minutes in a comedy club in front of an audience and that's that's fine and all, but I don't really think there is a technique. At least not for me. That again, maybe maybe a fun podcast episode might be to have the two of us on, and we could debate that. Right, but that would be a good I, debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I, I don't necessarily what there's no because there's no right and a wrong way. I don't think to deliver humor. So when you say what's my what's my process, I think my process is just to I typically what I do is. I do about a 45 minute corporate set between 45 minutes and an hour. And I, let's say it's 45 Mm -hmm. minutes. I kind of divide that into three parts. Like the first 15 minutes is I taught, is I make them laugh about the event itself, where it is. Oh, you're having your, you're having your big event in Vegas. So everybody's really, really alert, aren't they? Since we're doing this at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I know you always, that kind of thing, or, or you're doing this in Orlando. So don't worry, I will talk fast because I know the real goal Mm -hmm. of being here is so you can all take advantage of the park because your kids are all waiting in the lobby, that kind of stuff. Right. So, so that's the first, then I make them laugh about the or their organization, the company, that's where the customization comes in. And at the end, I I try to get a little bit motivational and talk a little bit about the value of humor, the value of humor in corporate America and why it's disappearing. And, and that is really what I'm focusing on right now, because especially post pandemic, and I, I, I think we can call it, I guess we can call it post pandemic. I'd like to call it post pandemic, but I think well, that. Yeah, humor, I mean, didn't you get, didn't you get the memo? We won. I, <laughs> we won. <laughs> That's right. The pandemic is over. Victory. Because we're tired tired of it. That's why it's over. Yes, I forgot. I I was expecting some magic number, but no, it was was just like, no, we won. Victory is mine. We're tired of it. Right. So, but I think that during the pandemic, I mean, a lot of humor disappeared. And I think, I think now it's very, I think companies are very hesitant to laugh at themselves. My job is getting more difficult, but it's getting more necessary than ever. Because I think with with you have things like cancel culture and things like that that have really kind yeah. of reared their heads in the past year or so. And is it okay to laugh? And if we laugh, are we offending somebody and this kind of thing? And I really 
have kind of changed my approach a little bit. I still will go out and do presentations if people say, we just want to laugh. We just want to be entertained. And however, I am also more than willing to do a somewhat serious presentation where I basically challenge my audience to say, by eliminating laughter or curtailing it or constantly saying, we can't say this and we can't laugh at this, you're really doing more harm than good. You might think you're doing good. You might think that you're going to, that you're making all your employees feel comfortable and happy. But in reality, I think you're doing just the opposite. Yeah, you're just ratcheting up the pressure. We're all walking on eggshells. We don't know what we we can say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I've got some exercises in that and things like that that I talk to people about and just kind of. And then again, there's no. And I when I do that kind of a presentation, Heather, I, I right away start by saying, if you're here to because you think this guy is going to tell us what's funny and what's not. I go, you're, you're wrong. That's not going to happen because again, there's no right answer for that. There's yeah, no right and it's answer. It's context to... dependent. Exactly. Exactly. Humor is very subjective. And mm-hmm. what's funny to me is maybe not funny to you. And, but there is a way I do believe, even though I've said you can't teach humor, I do believe that there is a way to get everybody to, relax and chill and realize that other people do have different opinions about what isn't as funny. And I I think that exploring that as opposed to running to HR every time somebody says something that you didn't think was funny, that I don't think is the way to go. I think there's a way around that. So you mentioned that you have some exercises. Are you able to Mm -hmm. share any information about maybe even one of them today? Yeah. One of the things I like to do, I think that the problem with workplace humor, humor in corporate America, I think it a lot of times it comes from different generations. It's different generations have different definitions of what is funny. What somebody who's mm-hmm. in their late 50s thinks that's is funny true. is somebody in their early 20s is like, no, 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 that's that's not, that's offensive. But I, And I think the problem is, I think that a lot of that would be curtailed or would go away if those generations would work together on something. And what I've always, what I've said is, why don't you try this as an exercise? Why don't you have some sort of an exercise where you have to come up, you work in teams, maybe it's teams of two or teams of three. You have to come up with a presentation about something in the office. It, could, it doesn't necessarily have to be work-related. It could be what kind of snacks we should have in the break room. It, okay, mm-hmm. the point is, you have to make it humorous. That doesn't mean like you're going to get fired if nobody laughs at it, but it has to be lighthearted. And the people that comprise that team have to be of different generations. Okay. So, which means you have to put a 25 with a 55 year old, or you have to put a straight with a gay, or you have to put a African-American with a, uh, with a Caucasian, make it like that because you're getting, and then give them the task of it's got to be funny. Hmm. And I think that, what you're doing is you're, you're forcing people to see, to appreciate what is and isn't funny, what other people find, as opposed to, you said that, and I don't think it's funny, so I'm going to go tell on you, <laughs> right? Because I think that's what's... Right. Kind of, I, I, I forcing use my them kids. to build something together. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, I use my own kids as examples. Like I have two daughters and like I remember once I, I, I'm a big John Hughes fan. I, I love all of John Hughes's movies, but I grew up with those. Those were big when I was in college, 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. telling my kids, I go, let's watch 16 Candles. I think this is one of the funniest movies. This is when they were in high school. I said, this is one of the funniest movies ever. And, and like 10 minutes into it, they're like, this is stupid. I go, just can you just I go, I'll make a deal with you watch this with me and then I will watch whatever you want to watch, whatever you think is funny. Mm-hmm. And so they watched it and they did end up laughing at certain points. I don't think they thought it was the best movie, there, but they enjoyed it. And then I had to watch Impractical Jokers, which I think is the oh, stupidest yeah. show on television. <laughs> I just oh, think yeah. it's dumb, but it's three guys laughing at themselves. That's what, that's the way I describe that. But I watched it and I found myself at the end, kind of chuckling a little bit at what they, while they're just cackling. But it mm-hmm. really, it's exactly what I'm talking about here. It, it, now I know what you think is funny, and now what I think is funny. I mean, I know of parents that do the same thing with their kids with music. Let's listen to what I want to listen to, and then we will listen to what you want to listen to. And we'll get a, we'll get a sense we of appreciation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> does that make sense? It, it makes sense. I'm just wondering... As I hear you describe this, I'm wondering, have you seen any teams do it? Not. No, I just take my paycheck and go home. Okay. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, I was supposed to stay around. All right, Greg. Um, I... <laughs> no, you don't have to make anything up. <laughs> That's not my so, job. So it's no, interesting. I have, not, I, have not, I have not been asked. I know that companies said they're going to do it, and I have not heard necessarily good or bad. But I have gotten a lot of comments saying we never thought about that or this is something that we kind of were thinking about trying, but we just haven't either had the had the guts to do it. But no, I have not. Typically, I don't I, I deliver presentation. I have not been like the, the moderator of a workshop. Not that so I was something else interested in doing that. Something else that I, I'd like to add to what you said about generational differences Mm-hmm. is is also sort of some cultural references and lo- even location <laughs> yeah. can be a huge sort of differentiator between what you get and what you don't get. So I, mm-hmm. I watch a lot of stand-up comedy and I've gotten to the point, my husband and I, we watch together and we've gotten to the point where we started to branch out and all right, we watched everything in our circle. Now let's branch out and let's even see some stand-up from other countries and right. comedians from other countries. And we definitely have our, our comics that we really enjoy. But then we also notice that there are points where we're just not laughing and mm-hmm. we just don't get it. And, yeah. and we sat down and we said, oh, it's, it's not because it's not funny. I mean, clearly the audience is just dying. They're on the floor. They're dying. They love it. It's not that it's not funny. It's just that we don't get it. Like, I wasn't there. I don't know anything about that news reference that they just made. I don't know anything about that event that happened or the that food or, or whatever. I just don't get the reference because I don't mm-hmm. have that in my experience. And I think that's where that the generational piece comes in as well. It's 
it's not a part of your experience, your life experience. So that's something as well that you could definitely see some, you can see some differences in what people appreciate in terms of oh, what's yeah, funny. Yeah. And that happens to yeah. me too. I mean, I'm right now, I write a, a humor column for the Chicago Tribune Syndicate too, but I'm just trying to think of what to write this week. And I, what I think I'm going to write about is how I, I feel like I can, I'm always being tech shamed. I call it tech shamed, tech shamed mm. by, by people they're half my age who are like, Greg, you don't, what do you mean you don't own any NFTs? And what do you mean? You're not joking about the metaverse? And I mean, they're throwing that kind of stuff out at me. Stop it. I mean, does that make yeah. me a bad yeah. person? But it is kind of funny. I had somebody, I was just, I had a, there was another entertainer that I was talking to, and he's probably 30, 40, which was telling me about OnlyFans. I don't know what OnlyFans is. What it <laughs> I've is? heard of OnlyFans. I've heard of it. I've never seen it, but <laughs> I've heard, I've seen like the, yeah, like on the fringes. Yeah, I know, I know OnlyFans. I know what it means. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, and you're giggling right now. So that, so he explains it to me and he's like, it's like a paid Instagram where you pay to follow people. But then he says, yes. but it's it's being used a lot now by like right. adult workers and so forth. And then he goes, I can't believe you don't know about this. And I go, here's a question. How come about it? Well, er- everyone, it was hard not to know about it, Greg, because... As you can imagine, not only were comedy clubs closed during the pandemic, strip clubs were also yes, kind were. of closed. Yes, I know. And, oh, and yes, OnlyFans. They, they were not essential workers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, right? So OnlyFans got a lot of people through the pandemic, and a lot of people quit their jobs because they were able to find – they made so much more money, so much more money on OnlyFans. I mean, of course, you got to make some sacrifices and you got to do some things that maybe you weren't used to doing before. But yeah, OnlyFans was about as big as Tiger King back then. So (laughs) I hated Tiger King. But yeah, yes, okay. Yes. I think I had I had heard about it, but then I maybe put it out of my mind that kind of thing. But I, but yeah, he was just so adamant that like, how could I not know everything about OnlyFans? So, I mean, I'm still part of me is like still trying to figure out Snapchat. And if I need oh. that, and if I need TikTok in my life, and if I, it's like you're just killing me with one more social network here. And yes. but that's that is definitely a generational thing. I think. And I would yes. have been the same way. I mean, I would, I'm sure I would have 30 years ago said to somebody, it's like, what do you mean you don't have a CD player? I mean, what's the matter with you? Uh, you listen to music, right? How can you not have that? <laughs> so, so I have no it, doubt that you're I'm right. guilty of it too, or have been. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you hopped on Clubhouse when that was a thing, but... I did. That just to <laughs> me was like, that was like a podcast of everybody interrupting one another. That's what I thought about Clubhouse. It was like a bunch of podcasters or wannabe podcasters all interrupting one another because it seemed like there was always interrupting going on. So that yes. was my that was my take yes. on Clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, it was basically what is it a phone call where you're calling multiple people at the same time? I have a theory that okay. we all Do have tell. a point where we just say I'm done. I'm I'm hopping off the technology train. 
this is it. I don't want to learn anything new. I'm yeah. done. I, you know, I'm like I think out, my right. father, it was with uh, Windows 98. He was like, I'm done. I don't need to learn anything more. <laughs> I'm good. Um, yep, yep. You know, and, I agree. Yeah. So yeah. Y- you pick it. And once you start listening to Magic 95 on the radio and you've decided what your technology train stop is, that's, I I, I just have this theory. Yeah. But that brings us full circle into kind of what, why, what I think I'm doing right now is so important because I think we were, I mean, you think about it, Heather, for two years, our only form of entertainment really was our phone and our computer. That is how we entertained ourselves. And I think that you, I think people are so desperate now to be out and see live entertainment and to laugh among other people as opposed to just ourselves. I mean, you, we, we, yeah, sure, we watched comedy during the pandemic, but how were we watching it? We were watching it by ourselves in our bedroom on our cell phone. Okay. That's not right. the same thing. That's not even close. And I feel and it's kind of interesting, though. I feel like live audiences, I've talked about this with some of my comedian friends, we're, we're kind of live audiences are kind of having to be retrained right now. It's almost like we mm-hmm. we have to relearn how to behave like because you were always in the pandemic. You were always in charge of the entertainment experience. You didn't like the comedian. Swipe oh. left. Swipe left. That next, scroll down, scroll down, TikTok, scroll down, scroll down. Here's a guy I finally like. And I think that and now you know, you go to a, either what I do, if you're in a big ballroom or in a comedy club, you have to be patient. You have to let the laughs come to you. you you're not in charge. And, and they will. They will, because we have been waiting this long to get back out there and do it in front of live audiences. But you can't just expect that it's going to be there in the first three seconds. Okay. And I had to maybe, I don't want to say lecture audiences about that, but kind of gently remind them that just just look around look around where you we waited for this moment here so let's let it happen exactly exactly it's interesting i mentioned this a little bit earlier but i went to the moon tower festival last week and i saw dion cole live mm-hmm. and at the before dion came on the person before him mentioned hey it was either him or the person before. I can't. My memory. We're going to pretend I didn't say any of that. <laughs> okay. I, I've already forgotten. So, How's that? Yeah. Right. Right. So Dion said, hey, just so you know, when you're going to all of these shows, when you're watching comedians, remember, we're people too. And we're going through everything that we're going through just like you. Only the difference is we have to come on stage and make everyone laugh and entertain in spite of everything that we're going through. And I think that the crowd does need to remember that sometimes because you're right. If you're so used to just saying, nope, nope, I'm not, (laughs) that's not entertaining. Swipe up, swipe left, swipe right, swipe down, whatever. Mm -hmm. You're, you're completely dehumanizing that person on stage. I, I agree. I mean, we, we have a very tough job now. I mean, it's we have a very uh, necessary job. I mean, if you look at what people gravitated to during the pandemic, I mean, you had huge spikes in popularity of The Office or Friends or even classic, even like Andy Griffin shows that you could find mm-hmm. on like Nick at Night. I mean, people were turning to that kind of stuff 
just as much as they were turning to Squid Game, where everybody gets killed. But you know, so I mean, you, you can't you can't laugh all the time right. now, can you? Uh, but, I guess not. <laughs> you have to, there's got to be some gore in there, some useless gore. But anyway, my point is, we wanted laughter. We wanted to feel good about ourselves. And that's why, again, I, I just think it's so important that you do have to, and if that means you have to remind people that, yeah, we're not just punching bags for you if you don't like what we do in the first 30 seconds. And I, it's interesting that Dion said that. I mean, it's interesting that anybody would have to say that. I, I think that's a shame, I think, in a way, that, that we have to we have to say that. We have to preface our act or our show with that and just like, look, we're here to have fun. You might not like everything. You might not laugh at everything. But that doesn't mean that if you don't laugh at everything that we're bad people or we're offensive or we're this or we're that. No. Exactly. Exactly. And I think eventually people will come to realize that. But I think that we're still kind of in that sort of that training ground a little bit. Right. So uh, this has been a really good conversation, Greg. And I have one last question for you. Yeah. We've been... We've been sort of dancing around the idea that humor has benefits on the workplace. Mm-hmm. And my last question for you is what benefits have you seen that humor has had on the workplace? I think I touched on it a little bit in the earlier in the conversation. I think that people nothing makes me more proud than when after a presentation that I do or after a show what I hear is we really needed that. I mean, that's what they say. We really, that was something that we really needed today. And I think that mm. just the idea that you, we're in this age now of where the big buzzwords are mental health, employee retention, positive working environment, this kind of thing. I mean, these are all catchphrases that really you didn't hear much, maybe even two years ago. Uh, worker burnout, job, the great resignation. Nobody wants to work anymore. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. people do have to work. It would be great if we all didn't have to work. But humor is, if you're going to foster a good work environment, a good healthy work environment, it has to include laughter. It has to. You cannot You cannot have a just a some sort of an environment. Everybody goes in. It's like, okay, now for the next eight hours, no one laughs. Everybody, you have to be serious because this is work. And I think that is really where humor is most beneficial is just making that environment fun. And then everything else falls into place. The mental health improves and the, and people like their jobs and they want to stay in that job. They don't want to just jobs jump every, every three months because they had a bad three days or not fun. Right. Three days. Right. So I think that that's where uh, the benefits come in. Right. They like their coworkers and Mm -hmm. work is a little bit easier. Yes. Thank you. So if anyone is interested in learning a little bit more about you and the services that you offer, where should they go? My best way is my website because I think it's very easy to explain what I do on the web. So it's gregschwem.com. gregschwem.com. Awesome. And we will all get that right. It has nothing to do with swimming. Or the bike. doesn't have anything to do with the bike either. Or the bike. That (laughs) is correct. (laughs) That didn't even come to mind, but now I've got it Oh, really? Wow. That's most people that the bike comes first. Yeah. (laughs) The Schwinn? Is is it a Schwinn? Schwinn? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. See, I always say if it was, if they say Schwinn like the bicycle, I go, if it was like the bicycle, 
you and I would not be having this conversation because I would be out of my yacht right now. Right. <laughs> All of my bicycle income. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, right. Greg who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, right. So Greg, thank you for joining us today. I hope that you have a wonderful day, sir. Thank you. I, it was a lot of fun, Heather. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead with Levity podcast. To get resources mentioned in this episode and find out what we're all about, check us out at leadwithlevity.com.